Our weekly text-based Tanya. We're on chapter 45. Very good. Since chapter 41, what has been our subject, our theme? Love and awe, awe and love. Love and awe, awe and love. Yeah. What does love and awe have? What, what do love and awe have in common with each other? They're both emotions. Very good. What do they have different from each other? Different kinds of emotions. One might even say opposite emotions. Ladies, come on, this is simple stuff. I'm throwing you softballs over here. Love and awe of what? Of whom? Hashem. Okay. I made it even easier because you guys weren't swinging at these pitches. Okay, love of Hashem means, in the most basic sense, what does it mean to love Hashem? Wow. In the most basic sense, loving Hashem, you I mean, what did it say in the beginning of chapter 41? What does it mean to love and revere Hashem? Okay, now we're saying it. So love means... To do what he wants. Awe means? Well, just flip it. If love means to do what he wants, awe means don't do what he doesn't like. He said, I don't like it. You keep doing it. Why do you keep doing it? He said, back off. So back off. That's all awe means. In the Frum community, awe means obsession with fear of punishment, which has nothing to do with fear of God. Awe of Hashem just means that if somebody you care about told you he doesn't like something, so just stop doing it. That's all it means. It's very simple. So love of Hashem means doing what he likes. Awe of Hashem means don't do what he doesn't like. Great. And then we spent the past several chapters learning how to do what? Meditate. Meditate. For what purpose? To relax? What is meditation? In Chabad, at least. Okay, so the, each meditation is a different exercise for cultivating a different kind of love and awe. Love and awe are not monolithic. There are different levels of love and awe, different types of love and awe. And we're not going to review that because we've been talking about it for well over a month. But you're all those who have been here are all familiar with the fact that there are different types of shades and flavors and levels and gradations of love and all, yeah? And each one has its own meditation. Okay. Today, chapter 45 is a very short chapter, but it's a somewhat confusing chapter. Um, not, not the words themselves, what to do with the words, where to categorize them. I'm going to ask you a question. Is today love or awe? That's my question today. Is today love or awe? Don't answer yet, because it's not a Ruch HaKadosh test. It's a comprehension test. So you have to learn something and then answer it. Okay. Is today love or awe? Let's find out. Can we guess? No. I, no. <laughs> Should I put a jar of jelly beans on the desk? Can you guess how many jelly beans there are? I've, no. It's not, it's not the public library. We're not joking around. 
Well, it okay. has to do with sin, so sin, you said, was the law. Nothing has to do with sin. I made a comment two minutes ago critiquing the Frum community. It has nothing to do with today's lesson. Okay, I threw in one of my social commentaries. That was soapbox style. It was 10 seconds. Can it was I read you what you wrote on your, on your Tanya show? Yeah, you could review it. No, no, actually don't. Don't. Sorry. Because I don't want to give away any spoilers. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Okay. All right. Pedig Memhei, Chapter 45. There is another straight path set before a person. To serve Hashem and do His mitzvahs for their own sake. It's interesting how the Alter Rebbe uses this term, mitzvahs l'shma. Serving Hashem and doing His mitzvahs for the sake of the mitzvahs as opposed to for an ulterior motive. In, in, in the Alta Rebbe's world, that's sort of synonymous with Ava Vayira, meaning when you have love of Hashem and awe of Hashem, then you do the mitzvahs for Hashem, as opposed to for any other reason. So he calls it mitzvahs lishman. All right, so here's a straight path. He calls it a straight path. And it's another path, but it's a straight path. Another path because he's given you other paths. But here's another one. And it's a straight one. How to get some emotions. He didn't tell us if it's love or awe. Yeah. And it's through the emotional quality of Yankiv Avino, Jacob our father, which is the quality of Rachmim, compassion, mercy. Okay, there's three Aves. Avram Yitzhak Yankiv. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Abraham is Chesed, and Isaac is Gvura, and Jacob is Tiferes, or Rachamim. <coughs> so how do you use the attribute of Yankiv Avinu? He says, <laughs> is to arouse in your thoughts as a first step. Abundant compassion before Hashem. Okay, that's to whom you are appealing for compassion. But upon whom are you trying to invoke this compassion? He says, The godly spark that is enlivening your soul. Okay, so picture it. We're going and we're invoking the attribute of Yankavina, which is Tiferes or Rachamim, we are beseeching whom for Rachamim? Hashem. Upon whom should this Rachamim be felt? The godly soul. Okay. You understand this exercise? Okay. Let's talk about it. Asher Yared that it came down from its source. Who came down from its source? The godly spark. The godly spark. The godly spark came down from its source. What is its source? The life of all lives. The blessed infinite one. Let's talk a little bit more about where this godly spark comes from. We said it comes from the source of all life. 
which permeates all existence and surrounds all existence. That's that paradox of how the infinite is both completely present within everything and simultaneously cannot be contained within everything and therefore encompasses everything. Not spatially, of course. We're not talking in spatial terms. But we mean that the infinite is the very fabric of reality and at the same time transcends reality. So that's soivev and mamale, mamale and soivev. And that's where the godly spark came from. It came from that source. V'kulei kamei kulei choshev, and everything before him, before Hashem, is as naught. One compared to a million is still a millionth of a million. One compared to infinity is nothing. So that's where the godly spark came from. Came from a pretty uh, impressive place. V'nislabish b'mashchidachivya but then it got invested in the serpent's uh, hide, the serpent's skin. That's a Zoharic idiom for the body. The body is called the serpent's skin. When I was three years old, I was taking a walk in the woods, and I found a serpent's skin hanging from a tree branch, and I screamed my head off. (laughs) But you know that's how they shed their skin. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, what is this snake doing in a tree? But they—that's how they—they they find like some tight twigs and they get themselves stuck on it and they wriggle out of it to get rid of their old skin. So whenever I see this term, I think about that incident that happened so many years ago. Yeah. Okay. So this wonderful little spark of God that used to be hanging out in the source of life of all lives where everything is as naught before his infinity. That's where it comes from. It comes down into a serpent's skin. And now it is far distanced from the face of the king in the ultimate sense of distance. What does that mean? Because this physical world is the ultimate in coarse klippa. Everybody knows what klippa is, right? Chapter. Well, it did mention chapter. It did mention klippa in chapter one. Yeah, but where did it explain what it is? More like in six. Explained what Sitrachra was. Seven and eight is really where it talked about Klippa. Klippas Noiga, Shalosh Klippas Klippa means the shell, but it means all the negativity. And there are different Klippas. There are Klippas that are, th- that are thick and coarse, and Klippas that are more refinable. Anyways, the dregs, the absolute lowest, nastiest Klippas, hang out in Elam Haza in the physical world. And that's where this beautiful little spark of godliness just came down to. Especially if one will recall all of his deeds and speech and thought from the very day he was born that were not good. So what's happening here? 
What's the meditation? What are we meditating on now? Compassion for the godly soul is the general theme of the meditation. What's happening at this stage? How far away is from the source. Now that was so even just because of embodiment. And now it's an exacerbating factor that not only is it experiencing distance from the face of the king through embodiment, which would have been so even if you lived a perfect life, but now we're recalling what? The, it's a world of Klippa, we already said. What do we, what's the newest thing that we just said here? I'll say it again. especially when he'll remember. About all of his actions, speech, and thought, from the day he was born, that were not good. Okay? Which is an exacerbating factor. So it's not enough that your little spark of godliness came down to this physical world to be embodied and contained. But to add insult to injury, while down here it was forced to go along with thought, speech, and action which were against Hashem. Umelech asa barahatim meicha. The king is bound in the gutters, the gutters of the mind. Ki Yankiv hevel nachalose, because Yankiv, the Jewish people, is a rope of Hashem's inheritance. Follow that? Well, he's going to explain the rope metaphor in a second. But basically what he's saying is, that where you go, Hashem goes. And if you are in the gutter, if your mind is in the gutter, that means that the Mekar Chaya Chayim Baruch Sof Baruch is in the gutter. The life, the source of life, of all lives, the Infinite One, blessed be He, is in the gutter. Because Yankiv Chaval Nachalose. Jacob is a rope of, his, of Hashem's inheritance. Like the metaphor of someone who pulls a rope. That is indeed the Kabbalistic concept of the Golas Hashchina. Golas is not just the sociopolitical exile of the Israelite nation or tribes from their homeland. Exile is Golas Hashchina, that God himself, as it were, experiences exile. And we can think about it in the macro or in the micro. In the macro, sure, yeah, but in the micro right now, that each individual who has this godly soul and then is thinking about things that go against Hashem's will, you are grabbing the king and sticking his face in the gutter. How can I... Grab the king and stick his face in the gutter. Well, very simple, because he's stuck in you. So you stick your own face in the gutter, you're sticking his face in the gutter. But doesn't the Shekhinah leave then? She wishes she could leave. Yeah, but how come when, when um, Esther Hamalka was going through Akashvedash and she passed the place where the get is, and she says, Lama Lama Azaltani, because... There are different levels. There are different levels. 
We're talking about the Shekhinah that can't leave, the mother that won't abandon her babies. Everyone knows a mother won't abandon her babies. So when we go into the filth, our mother, the Shekhinah, comes with us. Yeah. Well, that, that's that's a great question, but your question is the answer. You're like, well, if I don't care, basically what you said, I'll say it on mic, if I don't care that I'm subjecting myself to this spiritual abuse, self-abuse, why do I care I'm doing it to Hashem? And the answer is, yeah, you do, because it's funny. You know, if somebody will tell me, that I'm damaging myself, that's one thing. All of a sudden they'll tell me you're damaging others and it's another thing. And then if they tell me you're damaging others, that's even if you're damaging a stranger, all of a sudden we have guilt. We have more compassion on strangers than we do on ourselves. But then if they'll tell me you're damaging somebody great, somebody you respect, then it's a whole other thing. You ever heard of step on a crack, break your mother's back? would say step in a crack break your own back everyone, everyone would just walk normally you don't want to break your mother's back by stepping on a crack by the way you know what happens if you step in a line yeah god forbid it's not real by the way just a thing kids made up you can step on the cracks in the spine I'm sorry to those who have uh, yeah those who are going to have uh certain obsessions now when they're walking on the sidewalk. I probably will myself <laughs> for a while, but it's okay. We're going to be okay. But how can God what? tell to care that we're in the filth? It doesn't feel like But that's God. but the whole point we're not getting ourselves to care about ourselves because clearly if we cared, we already we all we would already care. Right. Or we or we do, but to the extent that we care, that's how much we care. <laughs> so we're talking, we're, you know, we're telling it as a story now. You're watching it. Instead of, you know, it's very hard to relate to our own story. But sometimes you see it as a story happening to someone else and it's more compelling. So right now, we're observing it. We're observing it. There's this beautiful little spark of godliness. Now really, it's you. It's the real you. It's the realest you. It's more real than the ego that you consider the real you. But whatever, I'm not going to try to convince you of that. Instead, we just say, listen, I want to tell you a story. i tell you a story about a beautiful, sweet, pure spark of godliness who used to hang out in infinity. And then one day she got a tap on the shoulder. Here, here's your parachute. Jump. And she landed behind enemy lines. She was stuck in a physical world, in a physical body. And then the physical body that she was stuck, it made a lot of decisions that she felt were horrific and every. Every incident was, 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 was a violation, was a, you know, it's a, it's a scary story. So we're trying to evoke our compassion. And remember also we're trying to evoke Hashem's compassion. Because we're, we're telling this story to Hashem as well. Hashem knows the story, obviously. And to a certain extent, it's happening to him because the godly spark is also synonymous with the king. Because we, 
kind of flip back and forth between the godly spark being humiliated and the king being humiliated. But it's one and the same thing. The rope is describing why something down here would have an effect up there. The rope is like, you think it's not all connected? You think it's disjointed? Like, you think you can just have an experience on this plane and it doesn't affect the highest levels? It's like the rope. Oh, I only pulled the bottom of the rope. Yeah, but what was the rope connected to on the other end? That's the point of it. And that's Golas Hashchina. So you tug the rope down here at the bottom of the rope, and Hashem is being tugged down. Valzen Namat, regarding this, it says, V'yashev el Hashem v'yerachamehu. Return to Hashem and have mercy upon him. He'll have mercy on you. You should have mercy on him. Which means to have mercy on the name of Hashem which is dwelling within us. Like it says, He dwells with them even in the midst of their impurity. So a little Rachmanes on Hashem who is filling all worlds and surrounding all worlds and everything before Him is as naught. And now He's trapped in this lowly situation. So that's something that we should have a little bit of compassion for. Well, how's he trapped? Well, that exacerbates, that makes it only more tragic. If he's infinite and he's trapped, that's even more tragic. You're going to get philosophical? Connect to it emotionally. It's a tragedy, and you're asking about a plot hole. It's a tragedy. You know the difference between pathos and tragedy? What happens to someone else? Mel Brooks said, what's the difference between comedy and tragedy? <laughs> Mel Brooks said, tragedy is I get a paper cut. Comedy is you fall, a man, you fall down a manhole and die. <laughs> okay, what's the, difference between a, what's the difference between pathos and tragedy? Pathos is, I don't want to give you an example because then you're going to associate it with me, but something horrific and, yeah. I mean, I'll, 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 you know, something horrific and terrible like the loss of the innocent and senseless loss of, of innocent lives, that, that's pathos. Tragedy I'm just saying from a dramatic standpoint. Tragedy is when there is a noble hero who we respect and the noble hero has a fatal flaw that becomes his undoing. And the better the tragedy, the more noble his flaw is. Got it? It's his very infinity that traps him into this situation. Infinite doesn't mean I'll go out into the edges of the spiritual realms and ignore you. That's not infinite. That's compartmentalized. That's the opposite of infinite. Infinite means I'm everywhere. I'm even within you. I'm even in your garbage and your dirt. 
and therefore the dirtier you are and the lower you go, the dirtier I am and the lower I am. What? And the more tragic it is. And that's Melech Hotim is a tragedy. The king who is stuck in the gutter is a tragedy. He's a king and he's in the gutter. When the wino is lying in the gutter, it's pathetic. It's pathos. When the king is in the gutter, it's tragic. Just listen to the story. Watch the movie. That's it. That's it. Okay. Okay. So, you're expecting that it'll affect you instantly. Some people are affected instantly. Some people have to go back to the story time and again. It's just a story right now. Okay? You're not supposed to start quaking and falling on the floor. It's a story. Hear the story. And you want to get emotional mileage out of the story, you'll, you'll, re you'll revisit the story at your convenience. Okay. And this is what it means when the Torah says, Yankiv kissed Rachel. Remember when Yankiv met Rachel? Jacob met Rachel at the well. He kissed her, and they threw him out of Yeshiva. They said, you met this girl. She's my cousin. Yeah, but you kissed her. <laughs> so... Yankiv kissed Rachel. V'yisa es koyla v'yev. Can he lifted up his voice and he cried? He meets his cousin. He kisses her and then he cries because he knew they were going to throw him out of yeshiva. Imagine that. You meet this cute guy. He comes over and out of nowhere, his first thing is he kisses you. This guy's kind of weird. And then he starts bawling. Like, oh my gosh, I don't need this. Guy's unstable. Why was he crying? So we know that the, the simple, I mean, you guys are literate, right? So Rashi says. That was, that, that was with uh, Yasef and Binyamin. Yeah, very good, very good. So simple explanation is that, you know, he kissed her because he knew this is his Basherta, that they're, they're going to be married, they're going to your husband and wife. And he cried because he knew she's not going to be buried with him. And that's tragic. That's on the pshat level. You know, it's pshat, rem is drush, soid. Okay, what's on the side level? On the side level, all of these stories are interactions of godly attributes on high. So Yankee Vivino is which attribute? And if you say you don't know, I'm going to be so upset because we just learned it 25 minutes ago. Rachamim. Thank you. Okay, which is also called Tiferes. Excellent. Okay. Very good. So let's go ahead. All right. So he cries, Ki Rachel hi Knesset Yisrael. Rachel is Knesset Yisrael, the bank of Jewish souls. Makor kol hanishamis, the soul source, so the source of souls, also synonymous with malchus. So Rachel is malchus, the source where the souls come down from, the uh, repository of souls. 
in spiritual attributes, like you guys said it, he is Rachemim of Atzilos. Remember, there's four worlds, Atzilos, Bria, Yitzira, Asiya. So he is Rachemim of Atzilos, compassion of the highest world, the archetypical compassion. She is Malchus of Atzilos. So Yankiv, which is Rachamim of Atzilus, Tiferes of Atzilus, is Mo'ira Rachamim, compassion upon Rachel, who is Malchus of Atzilus, which is the bank or repository of the souls. V'yisas Koyla, he lifts his voice. Lamaila upward, to an even higher source than himself, to the source of divine compassion, which is even higher than Tiferes. The source of Rachmim is even higher than, than Tiferes. It is actually Yud Gimom which are above Hishtalshlis, above the Eser Koiches or Eser Svirois. Hanikra Av Horachmim it is sometimes called the father of compassion. Not compassion, the father of compassion. The source of the source, the wholesaler. That's how you know Yankovina was Jewish. Why not the mother of compassion? Because it's the father of compassion. Vayevkin, he cried. Crying was to evoke this compassion, to draw down this compassion upon the souls. <coughs> to ultimately lift them up from their gullus. And to lift them up into a state of union with God in a manner of kisses. So this whole interaction of Yankiv and Rochel on a level of soid is that the divine attribute of compassion of Atzilos identifies the divine attribute which is the source of the Jewish souls. He kisses her and cries for her to bring down an even higher level of compassion called the father of compassion upon the Jewish souls, so that they will be lifted from their gullus. You say, what gullus? They didn't go into gullus yet. They didn't even go into Mitzrayim, which was the first gullus. Yeah, but this stuff is all happening above time. It's happening right now. Yankov is meeting Rachel right now. Well, that's interesting. Who are we in this little story? Because you seem to think that we're Rachel, which I wouldn't disagree with. You know what they say, I think the Freudians say, I don't, know if it's, I don't know if they're right, but it's a popular thing to say, that in dream analysis, all of the people in your dream are you. They're all you! <laughs> yeah. So, everything's happening internally. So are you Rachel in this story? Yeah. But I think you're also Yankov in this story. 
after all, we're trying to evoke our own feeling of compassion. Yankovina was compassion. Upon whom are we trying to have this compassion? Upon the godly spark, which ultimately is our self as well. But I think, yeah, both sides of this story are us. Which ultimately is the answer to your question about how do we have compassion upon ourselves. I mean, this is it. But it's by, perhaps in a dreamlike way, seeing ourselves as third-party characters. But it's all us. So it's all Yankiv is us, Rochel is us. So he says, Yankov is crying that Rachel should be lifted up and united with Hashem in a manner of kisses. What does that mean, kisses? Shehi isdabkus rucha barucha. Kisses means cleaving of breath to breath. Kemeshikosov, like it says, Yishakeni minishikais pihu. May he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. This is a verse from Shir HaShirim from the beginning of Shir HaShirim from Song of Songs, where the woman rep who represents the Jewish people is saying of her beloved, of the man who is represented, who is representing Hashem, that he should kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Okay, what, is, what are the kisses that the Jewish people want from Hashem? Dahainu, that means, his kashus dibra adam bidvar. Hashem zu halacha. This means the connection of mouth to mouth, that my speech from my physical mouth is a channel or a conduit to Hashem's speech, which is halacha. When I learn halacha, when I learn Hashem's law, and I say those laws, so it's like my mouth is touching his mouth. Also thought to thought. That when I think about Torah, I'm thinking divine thoughts, and we're having that intimate connection of thought to thought, mind to mind. So when we're talking about what, what Yankov is crying for, when he's invoking compassion upon Rachel, the Neshamas, the Jewish people, what is he crying for? That they should be able to be connected to have this intimate bond with Hashem, which is specifically what we call kisses, but it really it means... I shouldn't say it that way. I shouldn't say, they call it kisses, but really it means saying words of halacha. I should say, what are kisses really? What are real kisses? Not metaphorical kisses, but real literal kisses are when a Jewish mouth says words of Hashem's law. That is called the mouth-to-mouth -mouth connection of kisses. Okay. Umaisa b'maisa, also action to action. Shuhu maisa ha-mitzvahs, specifically what action? The action of the mitzvahs. Ubefrat maisa tzedakah v'chesed, especially what actions? Actions that are tzedakah and chesed, charity and kindness. De chesed dreya yamina, that chesed kindness spherotically is the right arm. V'ubechines chibok mamash, that's the hug. So if the mouth-to-mouth -mouth kiss is when my mouth says Hashem's words, meaning his halachas, so the hug is when my body is engaged with his actions, meaning I act godly, I act in a loving, kind, charitable way. So now that's body-to-body -body contact between me and Hashem. 
like it says also in Shira Shirim in the Song of Songs, his right hand embraces me. So he kisses me with the kisses of, of his mouth, and his right hand, specifically his right hand, which represents chesed and kindness, embraces me. So my mouth to his mouth through learning halacha, his body to my body through me acting in godly ways and doing acts of goodness and kindness. And that's what Rachel, that's what Yankov is crying for, that he wants Rachel, even in her embodiment, or especially in her embodiment, to be able to have that intimate union with Hashem through Torah and mitzvahs. That's the bottom line. That this whole concept here of, remember, the Rachamim is to access the love, which we're going to speak about uh, in the next couple lines. And the love is translated into the motivation to learn Torah and do mitzvahs. That's the bottom line. It's always about so the hugs are the good deeds and the study of Torah with speech and thought are the kisses. So through this, through this process of thinking about the plight of the soul and evoking a feeling of pity and compassion for the plight of the soul, this will bring us to a level of great love, which will be revealed in the heart. We're going to feel that love. And then what are we going to do with that love? Like we said, we're going to cash it in to have it motivate us to actually learn Torah and do mitzvahs. Like it says, Jacob who redeemed Abraham. What is this talking about? There is no narrative, no biblical story where Jacob redeemed his grandfather Abraham. But rather it is talking about what they represent. That Yankiv is? Rachamim. And Avram is? chesed or love. So when you can't access the love for whatever reason, we've got another method to love. What's the method to get the love? The rachmim. The rachmim is not the target or the goal. So remember at the beginning of the class I said, is this chapter about love or awe? So which one is it? It's about compassion that leads to love. So is it love or awe? It's about love. It's about love. Compassion is the tool or the way. Correct. Okay. So he's using compassion as a means to an end. The but the end is not even love. The end is Torah and Mitzvah. Very good. And even the love is not the end. The love is what you do with the love, which is Torah and Mitzvah. Very good. So let's, so let's spell it out. You use the compassion on the plight of the soul. Oh, poor, beautiful soul plunged down to a body. Then its situation was exacerbated through poor choices, which we spoke about. Okay, so that's, that's the pity, the compassion. That is Yankiv, Ashapodes Avram. Yankiv, which is Rachimim, redeems Avram, which is chesed or love, meaning we access the love. And now we have this love. I love my soul. I love Hashem. I want to do good things for my soul. I want to do good things for Hashem. Ah, and then Torah Mitzvahs. Cash that in and do Torah Mitzvahs. Yeah. Like it's explained elsewhere. So that's the end of chapter 45. Okay.